0: Welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Ginny. And today we're talking about afterlife or mm-hmm. afterlife. I think the pronunciation is probably specific. And well, um, I think it's
1: ambiguous, no?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a double. It's, it's both, meeting. yeah. Yeah. And Not that, ambiguous, but that old gang of mine. Yes. So um
1: yeah. <sighs> oh, how are you doing, Ginny? Um, well I already detailed you with the specifics, but um yeah. I'm I assume I said this on the last episode that I got a cat or I've been talking about it. But um she's had to get her she had to get fixed this week and there were some complications post surgery, so I've had a couple of stressful days with her. Um but mm-hmm. I she seems to be on the mend. She was in pretty good spirits this morning and has been getting like some of her pep back and um, she's been very cute, so I'm feeling better. But yesterday and Thursday were a little stressful. <laughs> uh, oh, you're yeah. like
0: a new mom. I'm like a new mom, worried about everything. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but is she's this throwing up normal. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, poor baby. Oh, but she, but is, she looks so cute. She is super cute. She snuggled with me this morning on the couch for like an hour and a half. I, like, Alex had to go out and get bagels for us this morning because I was like, well, I can't move because she's on my lap. (laughs) I can't disturb her, and also this is adorable. (laughs) But she also snuggled with Alex a little bit last night um, on the bed, which we wouldn't normally really let her do, but for now she's kind of, some of the rules are a little looser since she's in recovery. I don't know
0: you might want to be careful with that when she doesn't have a cone anymore. She's going to be like, what am I, trapped liver? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's just like when she doesn't have a cone, when she's not recovering, she's got like surgery and stuff. Like it's easier to kind of pick her up and put her back, just kind of toss her gently back on the ground if she's somewhere that we don't want her. But right now it's like, I don't want to grab her wrong. I don't want to stretch. So it's like, you know, we'll just, we'll ride it out. Anyway, how are you? Uh, I'm good.
0: I'm so happy that I have three days off from work oh my God, this weekend. Um, this will be a surprise to people <laughs> when this airs because we're going to be a little behind. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's in the current timeline of my life is Martin Luther King uh, weekend. weekend, yeah. And I'm so excited because it kind of really snuck up on me. Like I just Same. always kind of forget about this holiday because it comes so soon after
1: the holidays.
0: And because well, and I
1: haven't always gotten it as a day off either.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I feel like I usually have.
1: It has varied place um, to place. So. Yeah,
0: but it was a lovely surprise on my mm-hmm. calendar. I was like, what do you mean I have Monday off?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did keep so, trying to schedule things for Monday, and then I was like, wait, wait. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I did have someone at work like yesterday, which was Friday, tell me that they needed something urgently by Tuesday, and I was like, "Um, you do remember that Monday is a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sorry, I'm not going to help. Yeah, no, so that's exciting. I have made... Well, I, I haven't made no plans, but I haven't made big plans cuz I'm just mm-hmm. going to enjoy the day off, you know. But yeah. I am tomorrow going to go play some games with some friends, so I'm excited. What kind of games? Board games what or maybe kind of some board card games? games, but I don't I don't know specifics. We might not even play games. We might go just eat at the ferry building, mm. you know. We're leaving our options open. Well, let me know what game you play. <laughs> I will I think if we end up playing a game, well I would normally, I would assume if we were going to play a game, we'd probably play Settlers. But Mm -hmm. um, there might be too many people for that. So I don't know. Mm. But maybe code words. I don't know.
1: Mm, I love code words.
0: It's a mixed group. I always end up bringing over some games that I like and no one ever wants to play them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. To be fair, I always have to... So specifically you know this game Coup and it's mm-hmm. really fun and it's easy, but it's not easy to learn. Like it's easy yeah. once you kind of know, but it, it does seem like a lot when you're trying to learn it's it. It's daunting and, to
1: explain it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I'm not good at explaining it because I don't do it frequently. Yeah. And so yeah. It just like never ends well.
1: Yeah. yeah. I've gotten a little better at explaining that one, but it's always a little bit of a go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Although two people coming have pandemic. Maybe I should text them today and tell them to bring it.
1: Yeah, pandemic's fun. That's always a fun one. Oh, and what's the limit? The limit on that That is probably pretty high because it's co-op too. So,
0: yeah, well, that's why I like that game because it's like everybody's on the same side. Yeah,
1: it's really fun. Oh, I have not been playing enough games lately. What did we get? We do have a we do have a two player card game now called Star Realms. That's like it's a pretty quick like deck building game, and that one I like a lot, mostly because it's like there's not a lot of good two player games. Um, and yeah. then like most often just, you know, it's just like me and Alex at home and it'd be like, well, sometimes it would be fun to bust out a board game, but like, <laughs> I'm not going to set up as something elaborate that has a three or four player minimum. So anyway, but that one's fun. Also, I like it because I usually win. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Afterlife. Yeah. because Afterlife. Man, this is a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I have a lot of things to say about both of these episodes, I think. And I am excited to talk about them. Um, you want to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I'll do my best. I don't think the plot of this one was particularly complicated. You know, it again, this episode starts off immediately where we left off with the last episode, uh which is that Don has reunited with Buffy, um realizes kind of what's been going on and they're kind of everybody is a little bit scattered around Sunnydale post this like biker gang invasion. Um so Don takes Buffy back home and is kind of trying everybody uh, You know, trying to reintegrate Buffy back into her life and explain to her, like, what how long she's been gone, what things have changed, what things are the same, etc., etc. So Buffy is meanwhile pretty tight-lipped and quiet. She's very reserved. She's clearly still adjusting. This is a big, big reintroduction for her, and where nobody's really quite sure what what she's thinking or where she was, and all of that. So I think the basics of this episode is that she's back. Little by little, she, you know, Spike comes back and finds out she's alive. Her friends find her and, you know, realize that she's come back seemingly correctly and herself. Um, uh, but she doesn't seem to kind of be acting the way that they thought she would, which is that they thought the way that they see it, they've brought her back from a terrible hell dimension back home and she should be grateful and excited to be here. Um, so meanwhile, as she's kind of reintegrating, uh, kind of these like spooky poltergeist things start happening to everybody. Uh, Willow and Tara have a vision of Buffy kind of like uh, berating them and saying, kind of slandering them for what they've done. Uh, Anya terrifyingly wakes up in the middle of the night, puts a knife to her face in front of Xander. But these are all kind of like visions that as soon as they, that they're able to kind of snap out of and seem to disappear. Uh, but pretty much everybody gets a go of it. And so they start trying to figure out what's gone wrong what's gone wrong, and if this is related to them bringing Buffy back from the dead, of course it is, <laughs> guys. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but Willow eventually discovers that, like, basically this is kind of a energy debt that got created because they brought Buffy back, and that as long as it doesn't kill Buffy, um, it'll disappear in a few days. But obviously it's after Buffy, so they find a way to make this kind of spirit corporeal so that Buffy can kill it and she does that and this is all successful um at the end of the episode Buffy goes to them and she says hey I haven't said this but thank you you brought me back from hell and I'm so grateful and she says it in a very deadpan kind of lifeless way (laughs) um and after she tells them that at the magic shop she kind of goes to get some fresh air outside where she runs into Spike and she tells him that she lied to her friends that she doesn't really understand everything that's been going on, but she's pretty sure that she was in heaven and that she was the happiest, you know, she was very happy and she knew that things were okay and that she had left everything okay behind her. And then she was yanked out of that from by her friends instead. So what she's told them is not true. It is a lot of explanation for kind of how she's behaving so far. Um, And that's where the episode ends. And she tells him that they can never know that that's what happened. Oh, meanwhile, also, they did call Giles to bring him, to tell him what's happened so that he can come back.
0: Yeah. Um,. I have a lot to say about a lot of this, except while you were giving the recap, I had this horrible thought where afterlife sounds like afterbirth, and like that's oh, kind ew. of what they were, de- <laughs> <laughs> they were dealing with. In a this little episode. bit, yeah. It's like so the a third birth of bringing Buffy back to life. So the like after the dirty, messy
1: afterbirth, <laughs> The afterlife is the though she's actually passed on, and this is hell, and also afterlife because it's like post. <laughs> There's a lot of again, ring a lot of meaning out of this title. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's just like not. The cleanest metaphor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is. I think I think the first, the main two that I got was like this is haf- happening after life for her because she was dead, and also yeah. it sort of represents the afterlife because she's still sort of in hell. Those are the ones. Yeah, that and I think and make there's a lot, a lot of, of
0: discussion sense. about her afterlife, like right, where right. was she and what was she doing. Right, right. So, yeah, I um. So I'm gonna open <sighs> this with a yeah. general question that okay. I think the more I think about it and the more I watch these one by one I might am I going to hate Willow like (laughs) I'm so angry with her this entire episode I can't even tell you
1: okay so I 100% agree with you but I think that not the better question but the my version of kind of the same thought that I had was like man she's gonna make a great villain (laughs) (laughs) like they're doing such a good job of setting this up like I honestly can't believe like that That's my hot take on the first three episodes so far is like, frankly, this episode, this season gets a bad rap, a bad rap rather. I'm not, I don't think that this watch through is going to change my mind and make it suddenly my favorite season because it's got a lot, as far as many highs as I think there are, there's going to be equal lows and maybe some, you know, there's a lot of things that we're not going to like, I think by the end, but I think blowing through this one is definitely the wrong, binging this season is the wrong way to watch this one because I definitely think. Letting these really, really heavy questions and answers and decisions weigh week by week is a much better way to experience than kind of blowing through it, where you're going to rush through those feelings that are meant to be very heavy and land really slowly, like makes a lot more sense to kind of sit with this with Buffy and really think through what she's feeling. Like, I'm just so surprised at how I never saw what pain Buffy was in. Like I knew it, but I never really felt it the way that I'm feeling it this time around. And exactly to your point about Willow, it's like, it always kind of seemed like, wow, she really goes zero to a hundred and this whole evil witch thing, but it's not at all. You know, it's so clear that she is really dangerously messing with power and well, yeah, and like, power and not you're accepting saying, like
0: that. You never really noticed how much pain Buffy was in. No- neither is anyone else. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I, we are going to hate Willow. I think, I think I'm going to hate her in a way that is, f- f- uh, fun. Isn't the right word, but like satisfying as a viewer, you know, I don't feel like I, like, I just want to reiterate that for now, at least all of this feels very well plotted and well orchestrated. So like, am I going to hate her? Yes. But is it going to come out of nowhere? I don't think so.
0: No, I know the perfect feeling that I think I'm already having and that I'm going to continue to have. It's that I'm not angry at you. I'm disappointed. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) But like, how satisfying of a twist is this, though, that like, like putting best friends against each other, putting her as the main villain, like there's a lot to like about this as kind of like a from a, a wider lens aspect.
0: Yeah, and it's just, it's so subtly done and brought up. And it's like, you see the motivations and the reasons are noble. But it's also like this thing of like, God, Willow just needs to take a moment and like stop. And like stop assuming that she knows how to fix everything and that her solution is the correct answer. Because I think the best example is like she runs into the house. Like they figure out Buffy must have gone home. She did. Mm -hmm. They run in. They're all immediately like oppressing her and like in her space but willow is like triumphantly like we got you out we did yeah. it and she doesn't even bother asking if that's true
1: yes and yeah. it's just <laughs> so true like, because she
0: doesn't even consider the part where she might be wrong about the answer and maybe she doesn't want to but like right you know because that would open up some pretty sticky questions but well she's just like angry that she's not getting like
1: her that do, she is waiting saying, for Buffy you. to be grateful. That was like that her that scene with her in terror where she was like, well, is it petty that I expect her to be grateful? I'm like, it's yes. that petty? You're unreasonable. Like I that was when I really felt my like sub anger really soar out. Yeah. I was like, how dare you? You guys are not paying attention to how Buffy's acting. I mean, and again, a little bit in their defense, like even if they had ripped her out of a hell dimension, this whole thing is g- going to be really disorienting. So like that she's not it's like me and my cat that she's not a hundred percent herself yet. Isn't totally doesn't necessarily mean that they ripped her out of heaven. you know what I mean? Like, it's not like that's necessarily the logical leap, but yes, you're right that they aren't asking her anything. They're just telling her, oh, you're back, and everything's great, except Willow and Tara live here now, and your mom's still dead, and blah, 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 and, like, also kill this demon, and also blah, blah, <laughs> yes. And yeah, don't like, you feel not, so
0: much better now that you're here, and aren't you just so grateful that we did this yes. for you? Like, yes, yes they're just yeah. telling her everything. And, and so it's no surprise that at the end, Buffy just finally, like, repeats back everything that they said to her, because, yeah, like, yes. that's so clearly what they want to hear.
1: Yeah, and I think we talked about, I mean, we definitely talked about this in the last episode, too, but, like, again, as much it was never clear... It never really landed with me how much pain Buffy's in. It never landed with me just how wildly irresponsible they've been. Like, this is just that I I get. I know I'm repeating a lot of stuff from the last episode, but it's just like they did not want to consider the consequences. Although as Tara points out, or maybe Xander, or no, sorry, it's Spike who points it out. Willow certainly thought through the possible consequences of what they were doing, but she didn't share that with anybody else because she didn't want to be stopped. And she was, sure with herself that she could make the right decision no matter the results basically, but everybody else like they're like, literally there's a point in this episode where, you know, cause this, the de- like the monster of the week is one that they've conjured literally by their irresponsible actions. And Xander has the gall in this episode to say, Oh, did we do this? <laughs> like, Are you kidding me? Did you do this? <laughs> like, yes, you did this. You idiot. <laughs> but again, I mean, they're not being stupid. They're being willful. They know that they did this and they just can't, conf- they can't yet accept the part that they've played in this, you know, it's a great metaphor for what's going on with Buffy. This is such a good episode. (laughs) Am I wrong? It really (laughs) is.
0: I loved it. it's, It's just, in some ways it's continuation of the last two episodes. And I think that, part of the issue of the episode is it seems a little thin until you start to break it down where it's like, you're literally just giving room to these emotions to just let them breathe and like to have you see all the ways this is wrong.
1: Yeah. And it's not quite cathartic because I, I don't feel like we've reached a resolution, but it feels very natural to me. Like I'm glad that we're in this, like you're saying, it feels like a continuation of the last ones, but to me, it wasn't a continuation in a boring way. It was a continuation in a way that I really, really needed so, like, yeah, catharsis isn't the right word, but it felt right. It felt like the natural next step.
0: And they're so, you know, to continue on this thread, I think part of the reason they're so, like, eager to see Buffy be grateful and happy is because then that lets them off exactly. the hook Exactly. Then like, they can immediately. Mm. Yeah, and they don't have to think about it too hard or feel yeah. guilty. But, like, no one is considering Buffy in all of this. Like, well, it's like they, they brought her back and they're just like, Buffy. done. Well, two people are considering people. her, but, like, Dawn isn't equipped to, like, understand, and Spike is, like, Spike understands maybe a little bit more, and he's there for her, but he's also not the person that Buffy at this point would want to be there for her. It's, like, she literally... Oh, my God accepts him so like, true. and tells him so these true. Things because he's literally the only person that's I there know. but he wouldn't be her first choice
1: that's such a good point and that is another thing that i definitely want to talk about and sorry if this is just all gonna make me seem like an idiot i've seen this season a million times and it's not like i didn't know any of these things i just never sat with them for this long that like it also like the Spike and Buffy relationship now is it it instantly made sense to me in this episode where it's like, he's not only is James Marsters kind of once again, really killing it. Like I, I think he was really, really good in this episode. Like the looks on his faces and these like very, very subtle changes in, you know, like his face muscles throughout literally every scene he's in. Like he really killed it, I think. But, um, that like kind of to your points from the last episode, you know, they are once again, this is all about what they need from Buffy. And like, again, you know, she's brought back into this world just to slay these, uh, motorbike demon, motorcycle game demons. And then she has to kill this thing that they brought back with her. And like every, literally everybody is asking her for something. Even Don, who I think can be forgiven except for Spike. He's the only one who notices how she's feeling without question, knows exactly how she got the injuries that she has. And set is the only one who I think is immediately kind of sympathetic to her. like, you know, he doesn't need her to feel better to relieve himself of anything. He She can feel how she needs to feel in front of him, and he's not going to be disappointed in her, and he's not going to be disappointed in himself. He didn't have anything to do with this in the first place, but, like, yeah, I, it makes a lot of sense to me that she's going to find solace in him, and that because of their kind of... You know, will they They did always have a lot of sexual tension. Like, it just it makes so much sense to me that this is going to turn into some kind of relationship. And also, frankly, that it's not going to be a healthy one, because she's not in a healthy place to start a no. relationship. So... Uh, I it is really it makes a lot more sense, I think, or it just makes sense, period.
0: No, it, I think you're totally right. And I think you really see a lot of that being done excellently here in this episode. I mean, again, like you said, James Marsters is absolutely fantastic in this episode. But also, I mean, Spike is so quietly heartbreaking. Like, yes. you know, he's oh my God. so, like, he i so sees much Buffy. And his first instinct is not, oh my God, how much better do I feel? It's, yeah oh my how god are you and yeah. he immediately sees that like unlike Anya who keeps insisting it's she's broken Spike is just saying okay everything's not okay why would it be but you don't have to tell me anything it doesn't matter yeah you're here this yeah. is how long you were gone and let's get you fixed up and then you know he's just kind of quietly sticking around to see that she's
1: okay hoping yeah and that, how and, dare Xander accuse him of anything
0: <laughs> yeah but like that he's Also, because he's hanging back and observing, he's the only one who notices that she's not okay and not in a broken way, but in a just a bad way. Like, she's just not fine. But he's also just, like, the only person who dares to question Willow's motives and what she might Mm -hmm. have thought or Mm -hmm. contemplated in this. Like, you know, he brings this up. He's, like, the only person really seeing this picture for what it is. And again, it's like, we're not going to let him off the hook for...
1: No. Oh, I, I got really riled past. up. Uh, yeah. I got really yeah. riled up about where, you know, whatever. We don't need to get into it. <laughs> I'm preemptively so angry about a few, few future Spike <laughs> because he was so beautiful and perfect in this episode.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like, that. that's, yeah. And so, okay, we're not going to let him off the hook <laughs> for past and future Spike. But in this moment, Spike is the only person. Giving her what she needs, which is space. Yeah. Her friends are literally crowding in the frame with her. Yeah, yeah. Buffy, Buffy, are you okay, Buffy, Buffy? Tell me, Buffy, but, you know, and it's like, no one at all considers that she might just wanna just like, like, you know, she goes up to her room and she doesn't go to sleep. She just needs to sit in the dark and Mm -hmm. quiet and like not have all these people yelling at her about how happy she is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Man, I had something else in there to say about Spike, but yeah, I just, yeah. He was great. Oh, I know what I was going to say, too. I appreciate also that he's the only one in this episode who, I mean, they've obviously all stepped up in various ways since Buffy's been gone, but, he, you know, they also, she also, they have a conversation where he explains how he's been reliving that day every day since she died, trying to figure out a way that he oh, could have done better. Yeah. And I was like, you're, again, the only one who's really, really thinking about how you could have done better and how you could have unburdened Buffy if you had done something differently. And, like i going to get a little choked up talking about it. Yeah. It was just like, I just, I thought that was like, no one else has been rethinking their actions. Not even the action, the terrible actions that they just committed like a day ago, you know? And like, meanwhile, he's no, been they're all torturing trying to himself.
0: Take away Buffy's agency and undo her actions yeah, and her and he, wishes. Yeah. Just for like, and just to add to her burdens, whereas Spike is doing the
1: opposite. And you know? that, and that he's now that Buffy's gone, you know, ostensibly in season five, Spike was kind of around and he would be Don's babysitter and he would be their ally because at least at the middle of the season, it's clear that like, maybe he's just doing this because he's trying to get with Buffy, but now that she's dead, he's still stuck around. He's still Don's watchdog. He's still her babysitter. He, in the last episode, you know, is in control of himself enough to watch these bikers throw a, a riot and say, man, that does still look like fun, but not engage in it. You know, like he really stepped up and, has done a lot of good things for no reason other than to be selfless, kind of, you know, like why else is he doing this stuff now? Because he genuinely loves Dawn and loved Buffy and this is how he's going to prove it. Yeah. And like your point about uh, previously about how like, yeah, just how much they're all, they bring her back because they need something from her. It's not just that they need her and that the world needs the Slayer. It's that like, they need her to be there so that they don't have to do it. And like, he's the only one who's not looking at it that way. And, and Dawn, I, I mean, again, I think, I, I guess it just goes a lot more without saying that, like, Dawn is really innocent in this whole situation. She lost her mom and her sister and the Slayer and all these things, and it's no surprise that she should be happy to have her back. Um, yeah,
0: and poor Dawn, though. I mean, like, she's going all out trying to reassure Buffy that she'll be fine, and Buffy's not even bothering to ask. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a huge change from last season where Buffy was always like, where's Dawn? What's she doing? Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 that's true. I think that speaks to Buffy's current situation, but also, like would add to
1: Dawn's confusion, you
0: know? I mean, like, she's...
1: Yeah, she's always been there right by her side to the point of annoyance. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So Dawn must know that something's off, too. But again, because Dawn had nothing to do with this, this is just all a happy surprise for Dawn. Right. You know, she is young. It's just she doesn't really get the same... Interactions with Buffy, nor should she. And, and I think we see that in how Buffy's acting with her, too. Like, yeah. she's the only person Buffy's actually making an effort for. You yeah. know, everybody else, like, she's just kind of floating through the room in a monotone, and Dawn, she's, like, hugging her and making her lunch, and, you know, she's not... Yeah truly Buffy but she's trying and she's the only person that she's trying for
1: yeah and I think a point that uh maybe that you know I think this is not necessarily the intention behind this scene but in the scene where she had brought out Don's lunch to her before she goes back to school there was definitely a moment where I was like oh she's playing the Buffy bot right now like Sarah Michelle yeah. Geller kind of is and in a way not that I mean like oops she slipped into the wrong character but it's like that's just how that's how like Buffy is going through the motions and she is doing doing the right kind of trying to do the right things for Dawn, but like maybe she's not really any more connected to her than the bot was. No, totally.
0: I think that's a great point.
1: Um. Oh, my, sorry. I just, not that we need to dwell on Spike anymore, but just one final note is that as through all of this, I think it's also, again, I think mostly just a credit to James Marsters that like it's for all of the selflessness behind, I think Spike's actions in this episode, it's also clear that he's happy to have her back. And like, he's not even, he's also not really trying to hide that like, Ultimately, he's happy that she's there. You know, this is what he wanted in a way. Yeah. Not in a way that he would have forced this decision on her or forced this fate on her, but in a way that it's like, well, I may not have asked for this, but I am going to enjoy it. I just think yeah. he did. He did a good job of kind of playing all doing those things quietly, at once. Yes. Yes.
0: everybody else is just, you know, very demanding in their happiness. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about this whole thing that they conjured because I was very unclear as to what the rules were so yeah they couldn't banish it because that would get rid of buffy being right. alive but yet somehow it buffy just kind kill of it. disappearing is okay and buffy killing it is fine i felt like that was a little bit confusing
1: i think i'm with you on buffy killing it I'm not sure i guess because she was the target i guess because it was buffy that killed it maybe that I makes feel like it... that wasn't really clear i agree i don't think it it doesn't bother me that like it would kind of dissipate because that kind of somehow made sense to me that like if it's this energy this like balancing energy that came in it's maybe gonna not disappear but like kind of filter into the energy of the world and disappear that way i don't know yeah. i guess that's how i'm taking it but i guess it is a little weird that she just kills it at the end other than like i said the the rules seem to be it won't live past a few days unless it kills the target which is buffy so like there is some maybe some sort of logic there about like well then it makes sense that buffy could kill it yeah yeah a little weird I uh, also don't want to focus on things that aren't important at all, but why immediately <laughs> Buffy's hair is blonde in this episode <laughs> with no explanation. But Don's like, I knew you were there under all that dirt. And I was like, was her, was her hair just dirty? <laughs> is that what happened? She just gave it's it a good wash and the blonde came back up. Uh, yeah.
0: It's definitely a darker blonde. Sure, and sure, I sure. Think it's the same color as the Buffy bot. And I think, um, it's just, you know, it was a really bad wig and I think they got the color wrong. And, Maybe it was supposed to be dirt, or maybe it was just the only wig they had. I don't know. I don't I just, know. I think yeah, they were trying that to make too. some sort
1: of point about her being reborn with her natural hair. But then, if you're going to do that, which already didn't make sense, well, how is it immediately blonde the same day? <laughs> think it through, guys. <laughs> Who was the wardrobe and hair and makeup person on this episode?
0: I think they just didn't have a good wig, is what yeah, that I can't think be the it, Right answer is.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Even if it was a bad blonde wig, I, I don't know. Why do they need a wig at all? Just mess up her hair. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> okay. Sorry, I'm kind of just kind of going through, looking at my notes now. So the final scene is that one between her and Spike in the daylight in the alley where she tells, oh, tells him these things. Heart. <laughs> uh, yeah, super heart-wrenching. She also, Sarah Michelle Gellar, is just as good as James Marsters in this episode, I think. I actually really liked... I, I know it doesn't make sense, but also since we've been watching Angel, it's like, whatever, these rules about daylight. <laughs> Pish posh. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really disorienting to see her talk to Spike in the daylight because we've never really... We don't see that, you know? So I, in in a way, even though it kind of throws the logic... Throws, you know, whatever in the face of logic, um, I did kind of like it as a as a choice for the episode because it did make me feel like this is also just kind of adding a, a natural layer to this whole situation. Um Uh, And I think it also
0: like brings home the point where she's talking about everything being too bright and harsh. Yeah, 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 you're right. Harsh light of day.
1: Well, and the rest of the episode pretty much took place at night or indoors. So this is kind of the first bright scene in the whole episode.
0: Um, And I season really.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I, you know, she's like really struggling to get these thoughts out and to say the right thing. And one of the things that she says is everything is hard. And I thought like, that is such a good line, (laughs) kind of like with the whole afterlife, afterlife deal, like everything is hard. And she means 20 different things just by saying that. I mean, there was more to her speech than just that. But that was the line that really stuck out to me as I was like, that is a great way to put this. (laughs) Everything feels hard because you were in this soft, beautiful heaven. Everything is difficult. And, you know, you mean hard in that way. And also, yeah, just like
0: man and also as she says like she says you know I was finished I was complete. like I was done with what I was supposed to do and yeah imagine how you feel when you think you're done with something
1: yeah and then you have
0: like one more thing that you have to do like how annoying is that and then multiply that on a scale of I was literally done with everything I'm ever going to have to do ever Mm -hmm. I'm at peace I'm complete and then you come back and you're like oh just kidding
1: yeah and just to everyone else's point, she comes back. The world's on fire. Demons are ransacking the world. You have to save your friends. You have to lie to your friends to make them feel better. She's immediately reburdened by everyone and the whole city. Like, well, okay, so let's it's talk not even about like she gets too, a, re- a moment of relief at the
0: end. She does lie to everyone. She tells them exactly what they want to hear, mm-hmm. and she clearly only does it so that they'll stop asking. Yeah, and also, though, well. That adds to her burdens because right. now she knows that she's lying to her friends. So right. it's yet one more thing that they yeah. piled on her, not intentionally, but... Right.
1: And I don't think she was just saying it to get them off her back. I think she's also doing it out of this sense of duty to them to like, well, I wouldn't feel good. I wouldn't feel any better if they felt bad too. So I may as well yeah. give them the lie that they need since I can't have it. <laughs> you know, she's not going to feel relieved either way. So, but at the yeah, same and time... maybe it's easier
0: to move on if you just say what you think right. needs to be said yeah kind life. of
1: fake it till you make it a little bit not that she's thinking of it in that way but Oof. i think that's what i have to say
0: yeah i think that's 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 that mm-hmm. <laughs> so eloquent <laughs> <laughs> um okay well do you want to talk about angel i do all right, let's talk about Shocking that old game of mine. <laughs> uh, specifically, let's 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 talk about gun. Okay. Yes. Um, so this episode opens. Everybody's at Caritas, um, which is Lawrence Club, and. It's clearly some sort of intervention forced apology where Angel is trying to make nice with Merle, this Mm -hmm. snitch, snitch demon. And it doesn't really go very well. Um, Angel's obviously not that sincere and Merle feels a bit put upon, but um, Gunn drops him off at home and we see... Merle is a, instantly attacked by something. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel goes the next morning to try to apologize for real. He even brings donuts, and he finds <laughs> Merle's remains. Um, Gunn gets called in to go help investigate, and he's a little bit confused as to why they're doing this because you know Merle was helpful to them, but Merle is, after all, just a demon mm-hmm. and not even maybe not evil, but not a good one. You know, he's not
1: mm-hmm. fighting someone for that justice. Actively
0: trying, yeah, trying that they're trying to save. And um, so Gunn kind of leaves in a huff because everybody's kind of like, yeah, you don't have to be here if you don't want to. And so Gunn goes and visits his old crew and sees that there's a new guy in town who's come in from Miami, and this guy's really giving Gunn a hard time about working for a vampire and really insinuating that he might himself be a vampire and just generally sowing discord and getting on Gunn's nerves. Um, Meanwhile, we see... There's been another demon attack, and then we actually see another demon attack. So clearly, this is a pattern that's happening. Um, in the last demon attack, we see that actually the monster that's killing all these demons is Gun's crew. So mm-hmm. they're just indiscriminately going demon hunting. Meanwhile, Cordelia and Angel are trying to get Fred out into the world. So Cordelia convinces Fred that she'll. Take her out and she'll be perfectly safe. Um, so they go to the karaoke bar. That's where Gunn meets them. And then what happens? His old crew comes in. Guns blazing, because now they've migrated to firearms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, they shoot up the place, like quite literally, because apparently the no violence rule only applies to demons, and humans can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. So they end up taking everyone hostage, basically because they figure out Gun is there. So Gun and Lauren, uh, Cordelia, Fred, and Wesley are taken hostage. They make Cordelia go and get Angel, so that he can come there, and they're gonna make Gun kill him. Gun obviously doesn't do this, but some harsh words are said, and eventually, well, this one demon rises up and kills this other guy, Geo, mm-hmm. and everybody like. Nobody really wins. Like, the crew clears out. Gunn tells them they've lost the mission. Gunn's not in a good place with his team because he withheld information from Wesley. Wesley f- threatens to fire him. Fred's had a really bad night. <laughs> it's yeah. not good. But but ultimately, yeah, I think everybody figures out what side they're on. And the mission is just to fight for, for good no matter if they're demon or human.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no.
0: I... um. You know, when this episode first started, I was kind of like, "Oh God!" Like, because you know, generally, I find guns yeah. crew to be interesting, but I don't always find them to be the best episodes.
1: And they don't um, always handle it.
0: Yeah, they haven't it all can aged be a little so well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have but nitpicks I about this really one. Like yeah, this episode.
1: I agree, and I think it was a great one for Angel, the Angel universe specifically. Um, yes, I think and my for biggest. Gun. Yeah, Amphragun. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, yes. I'm not sure where to start, but I guess <laughs> I do. I know where I want to start. I think what I ultimately really liked about this episode is that I, it felt quintessentially angel to me in a way that they don't always do and like as much as I feel again like they're really starting to flout the rules of kind of what's been established in the greater Buffyverse in terms of like are demons good are demons bad like maybe there's some plot holes or some things that they're just kind of retconning a little bit but ultimately I think it makes a lot of sense for a show whose title character is a demon with a soul you know like he's inherently gray area to be a more gray universe and so I think that's ultimately what I really liked about this episode is like does it all really make sense if we start going through it with a fine-tooth comb? Probably not, but I like this gray area a lot on the whole, and I specifically like it a lot for this show as a way to kind of distinct, make it distinct from Buffy. Like, Buffy is going to have some gray area demons down the road. If They've already had maybe one or two. It's never going to be the main feature of Buffy. That's just not what Buffy is about. It kind of is what Angel is about, or at least it should be.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think... Ultimately, where this episode fails for me is that, you know, Gun isn't going to kill Angel, like, obviously. Yeah. So there's a little bit of wind taken out of the climax. But um, I think what, you know, talking about this gray area, I think what's really fascinating about this episode, and I think maybe the point they're trying to make is Angel is in a world where the only people really working together because... They're friends and not even, they didn't even really come together because they're friends or Angel and Cordelia, right? Like they're on this shared mission. Um, Cordelia knew Angel, but they weren't really friends, but they start working together. Wesley joins them to help the cause. Gunn gets hired on to help the cause. Nobody on this team is there because they were friends first and they want to be on the team. They're all brought together by the mission. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think it's a really interesting distinction between them and the Scooby gang who are all
1: They're only there because they're friends (laughs) who took on
0: this mission together. So it's a really interesting distinction. And I think they play it really well in this one, especially in that final scene where, you know, Gunn is trying to apologize and Angel's Angel's telling him, no, it's, you're right. Like you're, it's fine. You're not my friend, you know, because you don't have to be. And, you know, you you don't have to be okay with everything about me or I don't, you know, or yeah. even Angel and Wesley don't have to be okay with everything about Gunn. Right. But the point is that they're on the same, they have the same goal. And, like, we think that's what Gunn had to figure out in this episode, right? Like, he has this idea of what he thinks is right and wrong. He's stumbling into this great yeah, area of grappling with it. His yeah. team, but he's not ready to, like, go, like, over the line and, like, start saving demons. Like right, just right. for whatever. But I think he has to figure out, like, what that means for him and then i think it takes seeing his friends take it in the complete wrong direction
1: yeah to really hit home because those yeah. are the
0: people that he would look at them and say you're my those friends those are my friends yeah yeah but they're not the people that he wants to be around and so like i mean how how awful must that feel to be like well
1: right i mean yeah he's totally yeah. stuck between two worlds now and i think that they have touched they've definitely touched on that multiple times with gun but it's always kind of been in the background and so it is kind of nice to let that air out too because as much as this is doesn't really have a satisfying conclusion. And I still feel, you know, and I feel like Gunn is maybe in a worse place now than he was a few weeks ago. I, you know, again, it felt very natural. It does feel like this is where the, he needs to have this moment and he needs to have this moment in the show. And they, as a group, I, I really like your point about their friendship because I think you and I, and at least I definitely have really reveled in them getting Wesley on the show, them feeling like a unit, them feeling like they have a core friendship. And I don't think that they're not friends at all. But I think it is an important point that, like, they're not totally friends yet, you know, like, it, and I think it's just going to make that growth together feel even more satisfying also that, like, I think there is going to come a point in time when Gunn wouldn't say that about Angel anymore. And I think it's going to feel really good to watch that happen.
0: Yeah, or see the opposite happen with other characters. Sure, right. And it's, I think this season is really about exploring the dynamic of this team and what yeah what their true dynamic actually is and I think we've seen hints of this before like remember when um, Wesley was getting attacked in his house and Angel can't come in because he's never been there before and so he's never been invited in and so Wesley's kind of telling him like well if you've ever been to my house before like this wouldn't wouldn't have happened yeah yeah and it's true that like Angel was kind of wrapped up in his own things in previous seasons but um, well I do think it's interesting to explore this idea especially as we're adding a new person to the group of Mm -hmm. like what the dynamic of the group is you know
1: and um two two points is that you're you're right about that point about that wesley had made about angel and what's interesting to me now that you say that is that that was a season where angel was still theoretically the leader and now that he's not the lead you know and angel's problem obviously the stated problem he has of this whole entire show is that he has a problem connecting with people. So it makes sense that when he's the leader of the group, they're going to maybe have a harder time connecting with one another. Now that somebody else is in charge, maybe that is going to allow for some growth and some change among all of them, you know, between each of the two characters or each of the characters as they interact with one another. So I think that's a really interesting point. I forget but what I my that point was, But I think that also brings up
0: the point of like, now think about who's in charge. It's Wesley and he and Gunn are actually friends. Yeah. And that's why I think the end of this episode is so kind of difficult it for was, Gun, yeah. is that the person who doesn't really understand his actions and isn't so easy willing to forgive him mm-hmm. is Wesley, because Wesley is looking at this both at the angle of you endangered my team, and also you're my friend and you betrayed me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So definitely a lot of wounds and to heal or strides to make. Um, I really feel for Gun in this episode, and I... Again, I think if, I've, if I look too hard at kind of some of the baby metaphors that they want these things to be a stand-in for, I'm not... It's fine, but I don't want to think about it too hard that way just because I think it will fall apart a little bit. And I'm also just... It, ugh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I think what's hard for Gunn in this episode about kind of really having to confront this gray area, and this is actually a point that Alex kind of brought up when we were watching it, is that maybe also accepting that there's gray area and demons makes him think maybe he didn't have to kill his sister (laughs) you know obviously she was a vampire and i know the rules of this show and this universe and she was evil and he did the right thing but for him to kind of have to accept that like oh if we're not going to kill every demon maybe i didn't have to kill her or even if she was evil because she have learned not to be and i think that makes it even more of a struggle for him it's not just that he's battling between his um you know his fondness for his friends and his you know passion to his mission and those things are at odds but also accepting this as truth is making that painful moment in his life even more painful yeah and i think
0: there's like that's exactly why they show that flashback dream yeah the beginning of the episode is to remind you of that whole situation and think about it from the moment he did that Gunn has been finding out that her death had to happen but that that situation isn't black and white like he, yeah kills his sister and meets this other vampire who doesn't fit the same criteria Mm -hmm. has a soul. And, you know, so like, of course, probably since the moment he killed his sister, he's been wondering if it could have been different or Mm -hmm. if he had to do that. And now he's confronted all the time with like, okay, now we've, it's not just a vampire with a soul. It's a, a demon who likes to sing. It's yeah. Yeah. Demons who snitch. It's like, you know, the more he encounters this world, and, of course, it's complicated, like, mm-hmm. the world. But the more it probably really hurts that his sister didn't get to fit into any of this gray area. Right? Or like that, like... situation was too simple.
1: Or that if it happened now, maybe he feels like he has different resources. Like, he probably... Maybe he wouldn't have killed her immediately if this happened today. You know? Maybe he would have tried to work with Angel to say, like, is there a way to get her a soul? Do I know now magics that we didn't know before? Like... Or can we try and contain her and maybe she'll learn to be a good person again? You know, like, I I just feel like he was so unfamiliar with, he didn't, he knew so much, but he didn't know anything when he killed her, at, you know, in terms of this kind of demonic world. And now he knows so many different things that maybe he would have acted differently, chosen a different yeah. answer.
0: And of course, like, Gio standing on the outside and like, need- needling yeah. him and, like, all of these things yeah. like, doesn't help. Like, okay, best, most cathartic death ever. For sure. <laughs> I was like, oh, you got eaten by that demon. That's fine.
1: That's yeah, fine. no one, no one is sad. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and oh, you know, poor Fred who has to go out. On the I town know, and like immediately ends up in a hostage hostage situation. It's but true. Even in that, like, struggling with all of that, she has her moment. She's I, brave.
1: I loved that. Yeah, and I like. I think it also is appropriate that it doesn't to- like. She's not totally there yet, where she can just like shoot a guy in the throat. But like, I yeah, I think it really speaks to just her character that like. She's not as weak and helpless as everybody kind of is worried that she is. Right. But and obviously she still in- has a lot of adjusting to do. Yeah. She's still not trying to sound
0: snooty, though.
1: <laughs> I know. She's really cute. I kind of thought that her, like, her whole thing was going to kind of irritate me on this watch. But to be honest, I'm still pretty charmed by it. Like, she's a little yeah. bit too adorable. But I not in a way that actually irritates me, even though I kind of feel like it should.
0: Because I think the way she's playing her, she's, she, just, so, she's just so cute. <laughs> she's cute, but also it's it seems very genuine, yeah, yeah, to Fred, like yeah. that she's been through this horrific situation, so that explains a lot of it. But also she's just a person who clearly has always been this person who wants to be nice to people, yeah, but then also recognizes that just her innate intelligence can also be off-putting, and so she's yeah. <laughs> like constantly trying to like balance those two things, and it just. I don't know. Like, I think all of that together seems really... It's not annoying to me.
1: Yeah. So. No, I agree.
0: Yeah. Um, we do see a little bit of glimmers of, you know... Um, you know, there were a couple glances in this episode where uh, yeah. Gunn was like, Oh, look at
1: Fred. <laughs> yeah. I think... I don't want to say that this part of the episode didn't work for me, but I... Just because I kind of alluded to this earlier. I do think that there... Or maybe this is something that works about the episode because there is kind of this idea for us, the viewers and for, you know, for the show that like ultimately um, guns, old friends are wrong in the way that they're indiscriminately killing demons, whether or not they're good or bad. And I think, you know, maybe, yeah. oh, is that like, is this a metaphor for any, you know, kind of bigotry in the world? Is this, a, you know, I, right. I think that's kind of a natural thought that I had watching this episode is like, oh, they're the bad guys who think that outsiders are bad or people from that are foreign or bad or whatever. Um, I I, I guess I don't know if this makes it a worse metaphor, if this makes it a more interesting point in the show. But there is something to their point of view, because, yes, if I look at this as a metaphor, it holds no water and they're the bad guys. But in this world, up until this point, I would say a solid 90 percent of the demons that we've met have been inherently evil and specifically out to get humans. So, like, it's not... Even from the get-go when Gunn is kind of questioning Angel and and, um, Wesley for, like, should we really be investigating this? It's not quite the, like, bigoted point of view that it also, I think, a little bit is supposed to be. Because it's, like, it's not a crazy thought in this world. Obviously, in the real world, it is. But here, it's not. Right? I don't know. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, does this make it a bad metaphor or does this make it a good episode? (laughs) It could be both. Yeah, I don't think that... Imperfect metaphor, rather. As we talked about in the past, that
0: this show is always sticking the landings with its metaphors. Yeah. Um, Which is surprising because it's from the same creative team who consistently sticks the landing on metaphors on
1: Buffy all the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I think it's also maybe they're dealing with something a little bit more complicated and, you know, maybe they're trying a little too hard to have a message.
1: And maybe that's my point. I'm sorry, maybe that's my flaw also, is that I'm still trying to watch this show like it's Buffy and it's not. So maybe yeah. it's not really a metaphor so much as just an example of how the world, real world can be complicated. It's not okay to indiscriminately, violently go after any group of people, no matter what, you know, in the real world. But in the show, demons are complicated. And the world is complicated and morals are complicated.
0: yeah. And we, I mean, we don't have to get into it, but yeah. we could also talk about the optics on this episode of having a one persecuted group go after another. Yeah, that was, I, yeah. manner. I was like, yeah, I, that, I couldn't tell, like, like while watching it, I was like, is this intentional? Is this like a subtle message that they're trying to say? Or is this just like I agree. <laughs> I, think I just that, like yeah. couldn't tell if it was supposed to be something, so
1: I don't really want to address it, but. And to be honest, yeah, I think that, yeah, yes, agreed uh oh i (laughs) i did really appreciate uh obviously all of angel and cordelia's interactions i think continue to be very charming and promising i loved that (laughs) when angel walks in and they talk about the list of suspects his name is at the top of the list (laughs) and even more so that he was like why am i at the top of the list and cordelia was like uh a (laughs) <laughs> like what just like what a silly answer to a question like this but also like so logical like yeah angel you're on the list you're at the top your name starts with an a <laughs> i just thought that was cute
0: and to make him feel better they're like okay we'll just start at the <laughs> start bottom, at
1: the bottom yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah um oh the other thing that i thought was kind of a nice touch in this episode because i think geo is you know as much as everybody else pretty much gets the benefit of the doubt of like this is a morally gray situation you guys are all doing your best with it Geo seems to kind of be more of a outright villain than anyone else and to that point I thought his like little karaoke scene was just was a great like oh you really are a jerk that is just like you're having fun in this situation including you know what what's what also is fun Singing karaoke, like, let me just have at it. And it just, thought, I thought it was just such like, a good funny twist. Not that he was trying to torture them with his singing, because his singing was like, you know, his singing's fine, but more so that it's like, the situation is so like fun for him that he's gonna just like have fun singing while he's there too. I thought that was just like a, I loved that as a touch to his villainy.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit weird that they tried to give him a bit of a sympathetic backstory. Yeah lauren reading his mind but then the rest of the time he's li- literally just presented
1: as a psychopath yeah exactly so
0: <laughs> i i was like i'm not sure if we're supposed to feel better for him and this isn't working for me mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah and especially because it was so vague to the point that i honestly couldn't piece it together yeah. is it just the same as gun he couldn't save somebody went, went too far the other direction but that's not very compelling
0: it's not compelling because they barely touch on it like yeah. we are like trying to piece that together now, but the episode does no work in trying to convince you of that. So. And,
1: and, and I don't think the episode needs it because we already have his other friend who is, you know, who who does have, we know, him, we do know that friend and he's already there to kind of be the like straddling the line. Whereas like this other guy can just be a psychopath.
0: <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I think I really surprisingly enjoyed this episode mm-hmm. more than I thought that I would. Um, Agreed. But yeah, I mean, it's not perfect <clears throat> as these never tend to be, but. Yeah, but yeah, it was good. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I mean, look. There was a whole stretch last season where every single Angel yeah, episode I was yeah. like, this is now the worst thing I've ever yeah. seen. No, next week is the worst thing I've
1: ever seen. Yes. So it's, I'll, I'll take just okay. I'll take it too. And I think what we've always enjoyed about Angel is when I think it feels like this is the right choice for this show. I think this was a good episode for that. Like, this is a one that makes a lot of sense. You wouldn't have done this episode on Buffy. It wouldn't have made any sense in that show. But it is a great way to point out what's good about this dynamic and these people
0: yeah all right okay well next time we have flooded and carpe noctum
1: i have no idea what the angel episode is (laughs) as usual it will be a total surprise to me
0: (laughs) i wonder if i'm ever going to get to a point where i'm like yep i know what that episode is." i agree i don't think
1: i will oh and you know what no darla in this episode that's fine that's true i don't need to be reminded of her literally every episode We'll get there. Well, because
0: I think we're supposed to forget about her until she just, like, accidentally, like, surprisingly shows up. Yeah. (laughs) It's less of a dramatic entrance if they've been telling us about her at the end of every episode. Yeah. (laughs) This feels intentional. I feel manipulated. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Just get on with it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you have any pop culture
1: this week? (sighs) I'm trying to think. Mm, no, I'm sorry. I'm literally just getting through the same things, i reading the same book. I'm watching Bones. I'll get there. I'll, I'll do something new soon. <laughs> you
0: don't have to apologize. Uh, I feel bad. I'm picking up all the slack, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started watching A Discovery of Witches, which is oh. this show based on a book series I think you might have read. I I'm read the first sure. two,
1: and the third one hadn't come out, and then I never got around to it.
0: Yeah, I like the first I, book a
1: lot. The second one was less less good.
0: Yeah, it's it's like a lot of series like that where the first one is excellent and then there's like diminishing returns. Yeah, but the third book is like okay. But um, I really like the,
1: the first, first one. The first season is
0: based mostly on the first book, mm-hmm. and it's got really good actors in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Good or is it Goody? Oh I yeah, know, I don't know. No,
1: but I know yeah, his face. he's playing... The guy He's playing Matthew okay. the
0: vampire, and I started watching it yesterday, and I almost like didn't watch Buffy
1: because of it. <laughs> okay, that's what 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 network is it on?
0: Um, so it's it was it already aired in the UK, and it's now airing in the US. It like just premiered this past week on um, Sundance Now and Shudder, which are both mm-hmm. streaming services. Mm-hmm. But they both have like a free trial. Okay, and so I did the Sundance Now one and. It's not like they're airing that. Like, every episode is available. So okay. you could just do the watch free trial and then cancel it. Yeah. Um, that's my plan. Yeah. Um, but it's only eight episodes. Okay. So, like, they're long. They're, like, an hour each, but it's only eight of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, there's some stuff they left out of the books and some stuff was, like, better in the books probably. But I think it's really well done. It's, like, really moody and, like, interesting to watch. But also, yeah. it's just, I forgot, like... What a fun story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I
1: don't remember a lot of the specifics of that, but when you said moody, I feel like that was what I really liked about it. It was like, it it just had a really cool atmosphere to it. That was original to me. Then as a person that's watched and read a lot of vampire things, I was like, Oh, I like this. And unlike another book that was supposed to be probably doing something similar, I did actually buy that the protagonist was an intelligent person. The woman yes. was like, oh, it's also interesting because she's very smart and academic. Not that you have to be smart or academic, but that was, like, a cool twist. Yeah, and
0: I will say the TV show is sort of, like, after the first few episodes, kind of forgotten about that part. Um, nah. Like, yeah. not that she's not acting smart, but, like, it's definitely, it's, like, weirdly focused on the romance and also not focused on the romance. Like, you know, there's, like, definitely, you kind of go from, like, oh, they, like, kiss each other to like now all of a sudden they're gonna be together until they die and there's a little bit of like whiplash yeah. but it's <laughs> you know I think the book handles that part a little bit better mm-hmm. um but you know they're covering a lot of different pieces and they're trying to bring in stuff obviously like background as they go
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but yeah I would totally recommend it okay. I mean I'm almost done with it it was like it's definitely kind of soapy and it's definitely uh riveting and mm-hmm. like a good it's a good binge property okay. I think so yeah that's, that's exciting yeah that is yeah, and it's you know, if you want more vampires stuff, that's like vampires can totally go out in the sun and just act like normal humans mm-hmm. except for the part where they drink blood. Right. Yeah, that's that's fine. It's <laughs> a little different than this this so. yeah. Um Okay, so um what team are you on this week?
1: Uh Team Spike. Yeah, I mean I gotta get in there while I can. <laughs> I was just having that thought. Anytime like, I can well, say gotta that say he's that good, before it's I am
0: problem. <laughs> I am gonna
1: say it as long as I can. <laughs> All yeah, right. No,
0: for sure though, because he's the only person.
1: He's the only redeemable one in that episode of Buffy, <laughs> other than Dawn. Yeah. Again, she's not even really redeemable though, because she's just she's circumstantial. You know, he's taking action. Yeah. <sighs> okay. All yep. right. Well, next week we'll be back, or I'm sorry, in some weeks we'll be back to talk about the next (laughs) two episodes. In two weeks. In two weeks. Yeah. Okay. All
0: right. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie.
1: And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And
0: our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at once with with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast.
1: You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. with commentary.com.